In the last days of the world that was, a fifth deity rose to join the dark pantheon of the Chaos Gods. The Horned Rat was the pestilential father of the Skaven, that teeming race of ratmen that had long gnawed at the roots of civilization. As the world died, so the Skaven feasted upon its corpse in numbers beyond count before being annihilated in turn. This was not the end for the children of the Horned Rat. Empowered as never before, the Skaven deity snatched clawfuls of his screeching brood and saved them from destruction. Then, skittering through the shadows of the void with eyes aglow, he scattered them into the darkest corners of the mortal realms and bade them multiply and conquer. Such is the myth that persists among the Skaven to this day, and such is their singular goal. Throughout the Age of Myth, the Skaven burrowed, built, and multiplied. From their verminous metropolis, Blight City, they gnawed tunnels through the void into every realm. Emboldened by the coming of the Age of Chaos, Skaven tides burst forth in terrifying numbers, bringing horror and ruin to all they touched. They enslaved and murdered, consuming all before them in their maniacal quest for power, with never a thought to the price. Now, with the dawning of the Age of Sigmar and the onset of the Soul Wars, the races of the realms battle like never before. For the Skaven, it is a time of plenty as they fall upon the weak and victorious and the bloody defeated alike, leaving not but bones and wreckage in their wake. And that was the melodious voice of my co-host Alex Gonzalez, joining me here on episode 224 of Garage Hammer. Battle Tome Skaven, Lord Alex, David, thank, thank you for that beautiful reading. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about Skaven. Yes. And, oh, and we are going to be talking about Skaven, and it's going to take a while. A lot. Uh, I'm already, I sat here, I, I spent the first day going through this book just figuring out how we can try to streamline and pare down the the war section, because this is dumb. Because it's going to hurt. It's gonna be a marathon. There's a lot of there's a lot of war scrolls in the back of this book. Yeah, uh, some of it. Yeah, uh, like the vermin lords and stuff. Man, hey, there's six of them. Here's their specialty. That's it. Look them up yourself, man. I oh, there's so much. There is so much stuff. There's as many war scrolls as there are Skaven. Apparently, it's pretty close. Plus special abilities. Plus spells. Plus it's. Six sets of um, what you artifacts. Six sets of command traits. Two spell lores. Well, the best part, at least with the command traits, is the first three are all the same on all six. You know, spoilers. But that's oh, this is this gave me a headache. I ain't gonna yes. lie. This gave me a headache. Uh, a yep. literal because I'm sitting there going, I'm trying to I'm trying to look at this and figure out where the overlaps and the synergies and all that stuff go. And I can't remember who's got what. And it's, yes, I mean, I, mean it, I know that was that way kind of with everybody, and I know you, you eventually can figure it out, especially if this is your army, but God bless America. This is just so... They have, like, four battle traits plus whatever the one is from their, you know, from their, their great clan. I mean, that alone, there's just so much stuff. Seriously. It's, yeah, th- oh. there is so much bookkeeping to this army once you get it on the table. 
which to a point makes sense with the background because they are so multitudinous and duplicitous and there's so many different factions to the Skaven, but it's a lot of bookkeeping. Oh yeah. And it hurts a lot. If you're not super into the minutia, this is how much, how big is it? You say, well, it's got about what? Six, six pages of path to glory, four pages of the two battle plans. Cause they always give you a couple battle plans, you know, that are, you know, sort of uh, narrative battle plans. So that's 10 pages, right? That's 10 pages. And I only mention that because for some reason they constantly pop that in the middle of the rules. The path to glory comes after part of the rules and before the war scrolls. Drive mm-hmm. me bananas. There is 62 pages of allegiance abilities, skills, um, war scrolls. 62 pages. We've gotten books that are 62 pages. This is, yep, there, sounds right. I mean, there's a lot in here. It's, I mean, I'm not complaining because it's it's neat and it plays to the lore. But oh boy, if it, to to sit down and report on this is crazy. I'm glad we're yeah. recording the lore tonight because I got to warm up to this because the war section is going to be just. I'm kind of a slog, and it's it's not like it's not worth it. This is a cool book, and by all by all. By all reports and by the games I've played against it, it's hard as nails. Mm-hmm. But uh, goodness, somebody went overboard. And in fact, when we get to the lore, you know, thank goodness there's only six great. Uh, well, there's five great clans in the master uh, master clan. Thank goodness that's all there is. Because after I read the lore, I'm like, oh, there could have been even more. And that would have mm-hmm. been terrible. So, before we do all that, let's. Uh, Let's uh, take care of the business here. Um, sure. You want to jump into this? Yeah. So, as always, you need to take a moment to thank the sponsors of Garage Hammer, which include Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos, Chaos Orc Superstore. Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios for all your MDF needs. And Lindsay's Gamer Garrison in Wakanda, Illinois. Not that Lindsay and not that Wakanda. Ugh. Thank you to all our sponsors. They are fantastic. And thank you to our Patreon patrons and sponsors. Guys, thank all of you who have decided that this show is worth contributing to and becoming part of the almost 1% who make this show and everything we do possible. Um, you know, you get, you get ups and downs on the thing I was going through, the Patreon stuff today and talking with a couple of the patrons. And, um, you know, you get ups and downs. We were riding up there at the top of our thing. Now we're down a little below Garage Gamer, but we've started getting a couple of patrons coming in. In fact, uh, we got a new patron on this episode. Um, it's crawling back up toward the Garage Gamer, and I got one in the can, which I may just release anyway because it's a little bit old. I was waiting to see if this jumped back up. And then, uh, I mean, Christopher and I have been playing a bunch of board games. And um, I'm telling you what, in about two weeks when the Dune board game comes out, the re-release of the 1978 classic that got locked in copyright hell. Um, oh, yeah. I am so excited. Harrison's like, when I come home, Dad, uh, me and a couple of the guys are going to come. We're all going to try this game out. Oh, if you like convoluted Plans Within Plans gaming, the Dune game is going to be great. But that's not what we're here about. We're here talking about Patreon. Uh, I do want to thank our associate producers, Phil Elliott, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, and AJC. AJC. And our newest patron, Robert Strotterman. 
Robert, thank you for joining uh, the almost 1% who, as I said, make everything we do here possible. Cannot thank you enough. Um, You know what else I can't thank people enough for? Really? Leaving a voicemail. Cannot say that. That we don't play. It's it's all been contest voicemails. Can't play them. They're going to be on the next episode. It's not that we never play voicemails. They've all been contest stuff. So I'm keeping that under wraps. Oh, because we okay. we're going to play. Well, we're going to cover the contest. We're going to have a whole section. We're going to go through the. You know, next episode, folks. The contest. We've we've kind of sh- everyone who sent in so far. You're in. We've uh, closed the thing for entries. Uh, I'm going to get the voicemails, the emails, send them to you, send them to Kevin, and Kevin's going to come on for a segment next episode, hopefully, and um, we're going to read some of the emails that we thought were really great, we're going to play some of the voicemails that were really great, and then Kevin will announce who's going to win the $100 gift certificate to Six Squared Studios. So yeah, that's what's been happening. All of them have been contest stuff, and so they've all been put back, but... um, I mean, it's not like. But what if I wanted to leave a voicemail that was not contest related? Well, then all you would have to do is call one seven five seven GH show six. That's one seven five seven GH show six. International callers in most countries dial zero zero. Then one seven five seven GH show six, and you too can leave us a voicemail and tell us, well, whatever. And I just realized that Google Voice like never deletes voicemails, so I accidentally opened up the thing and clicked and rolled all the way back. And I was like finding uh, drunk dialing Johnny Hastings and stuff like that uh, voicemails, which was kind of fun to listen to. Um, but yeah, they're there, and keep sending them because we do like them, and I do play them when we get ones that aren't contest related. So there you have it. Hmm. Hmm. Yourself, it's the truth. Um, you know what? Let's just plug along here. That's all the business I think that needs to be businessed. So why don't we jump into this here book because we got a lot of lore to talk. Yes, yes. There's, <laughs> I see what you did there. Um, I do like the cover. I like the cover a lot, actually. The, it's different because it's not just like a line trooper. It's a proper gracier. Yeah, and it's up on the Screaming Bell and where you have a, usually a lot of sort of business happening in the background. It's a little harder to see. It's really just this gracier. And first I was like, what is he always oh, hanging on the bell? Mm-hmm. I like it. Of course, I, I I am partial to the Gray Sears and the Screaming Bell. I do like them a lot. I like the lore. I like the story behind them. I like the model. So, um, yeah, I really do. I really do like the cover a lot. I know we always just talk about it, but it's they went through all the trouble of making this nice shiny cover. We might as well at least comment on how it looks. Yeah, I didn't realize Skaven were so tall. How big did you think they were? I don't know. You know what, though? I didn't realize how tall goblins were either. I guess in my mind they were just like, you know, I don't know, like half human size. But that's more goblins. These guys are just That's short. a dwarf. Oh, uh, well, that too. Or dwarden. Yeah. And then, but the uh, thing is they're all about the same size because they're all primarily tunnel dwellers. Right. But they're like just, just a little shorter than an average full-grown man, it says. I'm like, oh, that's taller than I thought. They're what, like five feet tall? Yeah, but they're all hunched over. Yeah, so normally they're hunched over. They don't look that tall. But when they stand up, I mean, it's. I mean, I just. I said I was just talking about the lore. I didn't realize they were that tall. That that's just me. 
I can't mm-hmm. always tell that stuff. Like I'm watching the Dark Crystal. I don't know what size anything is in that sh- in that show. I don't know if the Skeksis are normal human size and everybody else is tiny, or if they're normal size and those things are just enormous. Can't tell. No frame of reference. Mm-hmm. So let's. Uh, I guess let's jump into this now. Skaven. Um, the basics that everybody knows. They're rat people, and there's a bajillion of them. And it's ridiculous how many of them there are. This goes way beyond the stuff from the end of uh, from the end times lore. Mm-hmm. It's it's gone. I mean, talk about you know epic scale gaming and uh, and storytelling. There's trillions, if not quadrillions, of Skaven between the between all the realms, and they're in almost every realm. Yeah, so. I mean, the only one that they're probably not in is Azir, but even then, you don't know. I think they might be, though. I know it keeps saying that they might be, um, they might be, and I'm sitting there going, eh, no. But there's like, eh. And there's a couple of parts where they seem to get the news about stuff coming straight out of Azir before it happened. And how else could they? It, I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm jumping ahead of myself, but yeah, they're everywhere. They are everywhere. So, um,. Quick little bit of background on them, in case you're not familiar, too familiar with Skaven. Uh, like you said, they stand a little shorter than a man. They are very wiry, you know, corded muscle. They're tight muscle. Uh, they got all the big hand and foot claws. And they are total cowards, despite how terrifying they look. They are cowards. They are selfish. But you get a couple hundred of them together where they can... Th- I'm still convinced the reason that they get brave is because they're, convin- they're convinced they can just shove the guy next to them in front of whatever's going to kill them. Because the Sounds m- right. Yep, because the more of them you get into large numbers, they get this sort of rabid sort of courage and suddenly thousands of thin, wiry, tough... Claw-headed, diseased, just creepy rat people. Yeah, with a with with a, a, an you know suddenly full of this almost rabid sense of courage, just crawling all over themselves. A compl- that's part of it. Complete disregard. It seems like now each one of them is terrified and would will will gladly let you kill all of his friends for him to survive. But as they get into that where they're fighting. They're stepping over their comrades. They're clawing, fighting, picking. It's like they are just doing everything they can to get to you and kill you. And um, it's it, that's got to be horrifying. Yeah. I keep trying to picture it in my head. And the more it's like that that's their size, they come running up. And even if they're kind of hunched over and seem about four foot tall. But they're just swarming over you like, you know, like an alien or aliens, I should say. Um, that's, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's no bueno. That's not good. This is, they, they get really crazy. Yeah. Uh, And the visuals that come to my mind are like from the Tom Cruise mummy movie that we really shouldn't talk about. Um, I wanted that to be good. I really did. And it wasn't. Not a bit. Not at Um, all. But there's a scene where he gets attacked by a rat swarm and like you imagine that, but they're four feet tall with rusty cleavers or other sorts of nasty things. Or I can't remember the name of the movie right now. Um, it was about the guy that had all the rats. Ben or Willard? 
it, it's got to be either Ben or Willard. That's the, yeah, it's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Um, but it's like there's that one scene where he gets out of the elevator and all the rats fall down off of him. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but even like because they have rat swarms. I mean, rat literal rat swarms will come out ahead of them. You know, they've got those little rat. They got the giant rats. But just and them being humanoid on top of it, just mm-hmm. scrabbling. Oh, it's that would be. I, I don't know. I think I'd. I think I'd poop my pants and then I'd have a heart attack. That would be it for me. So you would spray the musk of fear. Oh yeah, to see a few hundred of them jamming their way down the street, just just like a like a like a tidal wave of just stinky, flea bitten. Disease infested rat flesh coming toward me? Yeah, nah, I'd be done. Mm-hmm. And that musk of fear, man, they are cowards. Because especially if you read any of those books, whether the Thankful and Bone Ripper novels or anything where the Skaven show up, like ev- that that phrase "squirted the musk of fear" comes up like at least once a page. Because everything scares these guys. Mm-hmm. Um. Now, I do like this little summary in the the beginning, and I kind of paraphrased it a little bit, but I think this sums up all of Skaven, everything. Like, if you don't know anything about Skaven, here's what it is. We already talked about how they come through, and they're cowardly, and they roll through. They carry all sorts of crazy, devastating weaponry. Many of these devices are as likely to slay the wielder in a spectacular mishap as it is to kill their foes. But to the Skaven, life is cheap, and no matter how many hapless underlings must die to achieve it, victory is all that counts. And that sounds as however many hapless underlings need to die, no matter how many of you suckers have to die for my glory, that's fine, as long as we win. No, Um, as long as I win. Yeah, well, yes. 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 Um, this is the theme through this whole book. Uh, it's treachery and backstabbing and cowardice um, covered up by just sheer numbers. Um, and it gets kind of crazy. There are some there are some things in here that I don't ever have, have uh, I don't ever remember having read about the Skaven before. So it was nice to see some bits of the storyline sort of filled in here and there. Uh, it made it a little bit more interesting, at least for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what else do we have here about the Skaven and the lore. Uh, I like they're unlikely uh, alone. They're cowardly and self-serving, as we've said, unlikely to attack unless the victim is weak, incapacitated, or unaware of the threat. So they will totally sneak you. Or if you're wounded and can't fight back, they'll go after you. But in a fair fight, you know they will run in a fair fight. Um, they're compulsive liars. They're egomaniacs. And every one of them, from one of the Lords of Decay down to the lowliest slave, are all convinced that they are the Skaven. And they just need to figure out their when the time is right and they and do their thing. And the horned rat will smile upon them, the great horned rat, and they will be vaulted up to glory and lead the Skaven to glory. Every single Skaven thinks this. Which you know it, you can see why all the infighting and the backstabbing begins. The thing that is really weird about this army and their culture in general is that there's so many of them, but they're all concerned about the individual, not scaven them as a whole, right? Because they are just so focused on them. If they all work together, 
there'd be nothing to stop them. Oh, no. Yeah. It's except themselves. And part of that is from their own calling, which when we get to some of the history of the great horned rat, I mean, it was in the it was in the intro, you know, mm-hmm. multiply and conquer. That's all they care about. And apparently that's all the horned rat cares about, too, because as long as they keep doing that, he keeps his he keeps out of it. But, yeah, there's a bajillion, quadrillion, majillion of them. They throw it in there, and there's just so many that they can do that. They can throw thousands of them to die at you, and there's still more to come. And with those numbers, they can can just keep expanding and expanding and expanding. It's – you read this, and I know every book always paints their race in this light. You know, they're going to do this, and they're going to do that. You read this and you're just like, how have they not taken over yet? And it's simply because of all the backbiting and the backstabbing and every one of them. They want to win, but only if they're the ones who get the credit for it. Mm -hmm. And that is our biggest benefit is because of the the command given to them by their God um, just to do these things. And by a bit of their nature, they're just unable to take over because... Nobody wants anybody else on your own side to win. Nobody wants anybody else to get the glory. And it's it, it seems to be the one thing that's keeping them from basically running the show. Yeah, I mean, Screech uh, Vermin King is a little different. But even then, he wants to be the one to do it by getting other people together. Oh, sure. So it's still, even from like just the regular rats with these very short lifespans to the vermin lords um and they look at other races as inferior lesser beings and they refer to them as things so it's men things elf things green things dwarden things like it doesn't matter yeah you're not a thing yeah you're not a sentient worthwhile being you're yeah exactly um they plot and they scheme basically every second they're conscious um, if you're conscious, you are plotting and scheming your next move as a Skaven. And they fail. Probably, it seems like, more often than they don't with these plans. No, no, no. They don't fail. Right. But they just blame their underlings or the machinations of unseen enemies. They don't fail. Someone no. has someone has either failed conspired me. Conspired against them. Or conspired against me. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it's just so good. They're... It's so quick to point the finger. It's like, it's like teaching. It really is. It is. Anytime something goes wrong in the class, nobody knows what's happening. Nobody did it. Or having a bunch of small children. Everything's trash. They're all looking at you like they have no idea what planet they're on, much less that they could possibly have done any of that. It must have been something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what else do we have here? Um, now... It also talks a little bit in the beginning about the Under Empire, um, which is, you know, all the place underground that the Skaven own, which is pretty much everywhere. Um, What I like about this is this constant move for warfare between the different great uh, clans. Um, The Great Horned Rat apparently is really cool with this. Uh, much like the old uh, Dark Elf lore. Um, yeah, so if you die, then you are obviously weak or stupid or both, and we don't need you. 
and mm-hmm. we'll weed out the the only thing we will have left is the strong and the clever and the powerful simply by letting you all fight amongst yourselves and he lets this go the great horned rat i mean 99% of the time as long as they're gaining territories and keep moving out and keep multiplying he's happy which yeah. is which is uh that's a weird you know <laughs> that's all he that's all he's looking for to keep him happy just keep grabbing land and keep multiplying. Um, the Great Horn Rat, and they do talk about him quite a bit. Um, yep. He's really weird. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. I had a, I, uh, so the thing is, it's like prior to, I always imagined that the Great Horned Rat was something, I don't know, like he was one the ultimate personification of a rat but and then all the different uh, greater clans see him differently so it's a completely different aspect of the deity kind of like how uh all the forces of destruction see gorka morka right but he actually is like multifaceted personality to himself like i definitely got the impression that he's somebody with like dissociative identity disorder okay um so that's multiple personality disorder, or at right. least what it used to be called. Um, still, like, very singular purpose, but just it's, – it's like they call it splintered aspects is what it is. To the clan's reminisce, he's the great conqueror, the king of lashes. To the pestilence, he is the great corrupter. Scryer is the dark innovator. Mulder is the writhing broodsire. And the clans Eshin see him as the shadow of murder. Right. So it's all these different things to these different clans, but they're all the same. They're all true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a hard time wrapping my head around this because, like, you look at all the other gods of chaos, and it they seem very but consistent, different. But- aspects like especially with Nurgle don't they sort of worship him and he gets sort of slightly different views we know that Zinch they the his worshippers have different views of him but he's you know Zinch is like full amalgam um but even still like even between corn like there's some reaver tribes that are pirates and they worship him as the blood kraken it's still kind of the same principle the warlike mm-hmm deity seeking to conquer and enslave all or conquer and defeat all um so there's a lot of the similar th- themes but it's not that way with the horned rat okay i see what you're saying because if you look at all the different greater clans they're all very different from each other and they have very different interpretations but it's the same deity right so you you think that he's got that all of these are correct and all of these yeah. are in the same being. I guess. And it. that's why he can't like like he's happy with conquer and multiply because he can't focus on something else. Oh, I never thought about it that way. Cuz I think the constant infighting is because he's constantly infighting with himself. It's all these different aspects and like how we talk about in the great game with the four gods of chaos, how they all take turns reigning ascendant for one of them to pull down. 
it's the same thing with the master clans. Like they rotate on this wheel of which clan is on top and which clan is not in favor. It's the same sort of thing, but it's all within one deity as opposed to a pantheon of deities. Interesting. I hadn't thought of that. Like, I just figured they all worship him, they all see him in a different way, and of course he can appear to them that way, because why wouldn't you? You want them to worship you, and why not flatter them and let them think they're right? That is a whole theme in this book, too, is just mm-hmm. letting people think that they're right and letting them have their way for now. So that's kind of how I read it, but I can I can see what you're saying, and that's pretty interesting. Um, what else do we want to say about the horned rat? Uh, I love the the initial description of him, an ancient god of scavenging hunter and infinite malevolent cunning. And he's constantly in the dark places. He's watching. He's paying attention. Um, I also like the you seem to be getting this talk whenever we talk about uh, anything from chaos that the other gods ignore him at their own danger. Um, it talks about how they multiply at such a fierce rate that that. They, they're going to outnumber all the chaos gods at this realm if they, if they keep going at going at all of their forces. Now, then it talks about the gnaw holes, and it says they bore through the bedrock of reality itself at their deity's bidding, even, it is whispered, into heavenly Azir. And I'm like, nah. And I'm like, well, because, you know, later on when you're reading some of the stuff in the history, it, it seems to imply that they absolutely have gnawed their way in and not get gotten caught yet. What I am wondering is that as I'm reading this and I'm going through this, you know, the uh, if they are chewed into Azir, can other chaos forces go through the gnaw holes if they invite them or take them through, or is that just Skaven can go through? I think it's just Skaven. Is it? Okay. Because, like... If if they can't go through, that's one thing. If they can go through, then, you know, the Skaven... Either way, the Skaven are keeping this bit of information to themselves. Which it seems like as soon as anybody found out who wasn't, like, right in the middle of it, they'd be get, letting that information go to the to the highest bidder just to get, you know, something, you know? Mm-hmm. So I thought it was kind of crazy. That if they made it to get into Azir, they're keeping it a secret pretty well. And now, you know, they can keep secrets... It's just keeping that precious bit of information that they can get in there, they can see what's going on, keeping that to themselves, despite how valuable it would be um, and how they could sell that to the other gods, you know, for that information getting in there. Um, But they don't. And it totally fits fits their MO. Go ahead. I think that has a lot to do with their personality, with the... The Skaven are the superior, so why would we get involved, really, with an inferior being, even if we're on the technical same side? Oh, yeah, because they are they are totally – they are allies oftentimes, but it is purely an ally of convenience, always. Yeah. Without exception. And the closest is only, like, the Clans Pestilins and Nurgle. Right. Because there is some similarities between the Great Corruptor and – Grandfather Nurgle, but... But you, now you see them in other stories, and you see them basically sort of being used and abused by the other chaos gods. Yeah. You know, they totally dismiss them, you know, and 
there are times when it seems like they're trying to curry favor. Of course, they could just be trying not to get killed. So maybe they're not actually trying to curry favor with these other gods. But at times it kind of seemed like they were. And this would be a perfect way to get that is to for somebody who knew to get, oh, look, I can show you this. What's it worth to you? You know, you could get rich off of this this uh, this bit of information if it's if it's true. Um, you can set yourself up with this bit of information. Um, but it, like I said, it totally fits their MO that they're like, no, this is the most important bit of information we have. We are not sharing it with anybody because we are going to totally use it to our advantage. Someday. some yeah, At some point, because right now they're still multiplying, even though there are, it, it says literally billions of clans. So it's like clan could be anywhere from what a dozen to a hundred you know or thousands or millions i mean they said there's literally clans with with millions of rats in it millions of skaven mm-hmm. and there's billions of clans i'm like that's just dumb that is so dumb like i just can't wrap my head around it it's so many i get it the realms are huge and they're kind of everywhere but man that seems like just crazy talk especially compared to the world that was when you only had one place and there were probably millions and maybe billions, but that was even, we got that at the end times like, Oh, Holy mackerel. That's crazy. Yeah. I think it's all for different then because we just kind of associated that they all came from Skaven blight as opposed to having their own Warrens underneath the civilizations of the other races. Yep. Now, the Under Empire, like we said, is in that constant state of struggle, and that is fostered by the Great Horn Rat. The Great Horn Rat is all about just kill everybody. Kill anybody that gets in your way. You know, if you're not clever enough to take people out of the way, then you're going to get taken out yourself and you're useless to me. It's 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 kind of a weird way to run your run your whole race, but I mean, far be it from me. Now, one of the things that's important, and this comes up under the Great Horn Rat, is we start to get into the things like the Council of Thirteen. This is some pretty cool stuff here. Yeah, this is like the it. This is the politicking. This yeah. is really where you really identify the Skaven, right? And all of that stuff that, that we've been mentioning before just is multiplied and comes to the fore so uh, so brilliantly. Now, it says the ultimate rule of the Skaven race lies with the all-powerful Council of Thirteen, or so they believe. So, now, if anyone hasn't heard about this, what it is is in in, uh, in the uh, in Blight City, there's this giant a place called the Tower of Kevzar. Um, it's a, and there's a giant chamber in there called the Master Burrow. And it's huge. It is a huge, huge area. Just to give you a sense of the size of the city, they're in a tower, a chamber atop this tower in the heart of the city, and it's large enough to have substantial troop movement. Now, you get into a political, you know, uh, sort of stalemate, the place is big enough to actually bring your armies in if you want to throw down with it. Um, it's, it's that large. There are 13 sub-towers arrayed around the interior of this tower. And they're all spaced out pretty far because they are all literally out of effective weapons range. No Gisales, no rattling guns, no warp lightning stuff. They're situated far enough away from each other for their own safety, you know, and 
basically to hide whatever they're doing that they shouldn't be doing. But mm-hmm. all of that is in here. And you have these 13 uh, towers, each one with this little throne area at the top. Now, there are 12 open spots that the sort of Skaven sort of uh, you know fight and jockey for position over. Because there's five great clans, and there's 12 chairs. So you can get two clans in there. In fact, everybody could conceivably get two chairs in there. And then a couple of them manage to grab a third, and that's going to give them a little bit more power. This is all about political machinations here. And Uh, it also depends which chair you're in. Oh, right. Because the 13th chair um, is held for the Great Horned Rat himself. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't ever attend unless he takes the form of Screech Vermin King, but it's held there symbolically. So you want to be either the first seat or the twelfth seat on the council. So then you would be either the left or right claw of the Great Horned Rat. Right, and then so what is it? Table six, chairs six and seven are the least powerful. They are the farthest away. Mm-hmm. Um, and. So now they think that they run everything and that they're jockeying, like I said, for a position between the other clans. You want to have at least two chairs, but if you can get a third chair, that's great. Um, Not easy, but great, because not only now are you fighting against the person who is already up there and trying to slowly take their place, but anybody who doesn't like you is going to be actively working behind the scenes to keep you out of that that position of power. It's it's. Plans within plans within plans. Now, sometimes now the, the, the 13th chair, as you said, is always empty. That's the spot for the great horned rat. we got to give him his, his due, his honor. Um, behind him in the wall, though, is a huge, giant crack. And uh, every once in a while, Screech Vermin King comes out from the crack and sits down in the throne and says, I'm bringing you the word of the... Great horn rat, so pay attention. It's interesting that he can do that, and he is quite scary about it. Um, but of course, this just lends lends power to their claims that they they run everything. There are you know the great horn rat himself is sending vermin king just to put everything in order and make sure everything's the way it's supposed to be. But there's great power to be had here. Um, and they are fairly certain that they run the show, and they're dead wrong. Mm-hmm. This is new, isn't it? Uh, no, it's been hinted at before, um, and we got this in the end times with the uh, Thanquil book, that okay. there is this council underneath. Right. Um, so what's actually behind the throne and literally the power behind the throne, um, that crack is actually a gnaw hole, which mm-hmm. leads to a sub-realm that mirrors very much the Council of Thirteen, and this is the home of the Shadow Council. Um, and the place of it is called the Deepen Gnaw, and it's actually 13 vermin lords that actually rule this council and they move around similar to the council of 13, but the only constant is screech 
and the purpose of this council is to interpret the will of the great horned rat, but they mm-hmm. very rarely agree as to what that is or how to achieve it. No, they, they don't. Yeah. And they've all got their own interpretations and they're all moving toward doing it their way. Um, the greatest part is that the only like constant on the council is Screech Vermin King. He seems to always be there, even though the other ones are changing, because even they don't trust each other, and they're constantly trying to push their own little agendas and keep things going on. Uh, it's it's literally plans within plans. You have a main council who thinks they're in charge, and they don't know that they're being run by the shadow council, who is really possibly in charge. But then there's still the great horn rat to deal with and other people in the middle just grabbing things, trying to grab for power, take whatever they can. Um mm-hmm. It's, I, I like this part of it, though. I like these this story, how, how rough and scary life is as a Skaven. Yeah. And you're talking about, like, the they, they think the council is in charge, but actually, like, the vermin lords can get involved mm-hmm. behind the scenes in the council. Like, they can provide influence or direction to their chosen representatives on the council. Right. Or in the different clans and move things around. Or the more martial ones like warbringers, deceivers, and corruptors, they actually will take physical form and get in on it. After all this political talk, um, why don't we take a quick break? We've been going for quite a while, uh, and then we can start talking about all the inner fighting between the clans and then get to the timeline. And then after that, break down some of the the clans and the different... uh, all their different specialties and the cool stuff that they have to bring to war. Because that's what's really cool about this army. All the crazy stuff it brings with it to war. Because if you thought five-foot-tall rat people coming at you by the hundreds, looking rabid and violent and wanting your flesh, wasn't scary and crazy enough, they're bringing the party. It's just nuts. So, all right. um, We'll be back. Folks, Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chess X Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted board and miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. And we are back, back, yes, yes, talking about the Great Horned Rat and the war between the clans and more, more Skaven. Yes, yes. Yes, yes, more, more. So we should also talk like, we're talking like how Skaven talk, 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 speak. We should actually use that. Uh, they use a lot of double speak, 
um, just to further emphasize their point on whatever things you're talking, speaking about. So this is just, it's the nature of how they communicate is the double emphasis. So in case people aren't familiar with them, um, <laughs> but on page uh, 10 and 11, we get the first picture we've ever had of the great horned rat. Um, and he's off in the background and there's all these different towers and that I think has to do a lot with like the different aspects of him. Because if you look at one of them, it's clearly like this warrior conqueror looking guy. And then there's another one that's like this mass of gears and energy. So it certainly seems like it's multiple things feeding into one thing. But that one thing is terrifying. Yeah, that is weird. I mean, this picture, if if the artwork is any indication of sort of what's going on, it totally lends credence to what you're saying. Look at all those giant horns, too. I mean, look at the background. It's just going all the way out to the side. Yeah, he's like Stretch Armstrong with his horns. They go all the way out until next week. Oh, yeah. I'm looking at this now because I didn't notice some of the stuff you're pointing out. Now I'm looking. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, because there's one where it definitely looks like a chaos spawn. So it's like that... the broodsire like how Mulder looks at him mm-hmm. and then you got the verminous warrior and then the scryer machination one mm-hmm. so yes yes see you're getting it <laughs> shall we jump into some of this war between the clan stuff that's going on yeah and how they're always fighting yes it's it's just it, it, this is this whole book is crazy. The, really, the Lord. The, I, I get that they multiply by, you know, the millions and billions, which is why there's so many and why they're going to stay alive. It still astounds me that there's any of them left when you when you go through this stuff. It just it's astounding that there are still Skaven left after all the nonsense they pull with one another. Um, and like I said, there are billions. It starts off. This is the thing. There are billions of clans. Clans. That's like trillions. It's this. It's actually. It's it's kind of stupid. It's 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 another one of these things. I cannot wrap my head around the number. Mm-hmm. Can't try to picture it. Um, they do go into detail about whichever of the great clans has the most seats in the Council of Thirteen. That'll sort of influence the style of conquest that you're going to see. Um, I thought that was something that I I thought was worth reading. The balance of power between the great clans is constantly changing. Um, they're constantly backstabbing, you know, straight up murdering, doing all these things to leave spots open to try to get into those spots. The one thing that's always brings glory, though, is power and conquest. And once you hit the start of the Age of Chaos, that's when they just, oh, well, if this is what's going on, we'll come up here and take what we need. Mm-hmm. And that works. <laughs> Um, you know, with that balance of power that's changing and that they're always after uh, power and conquest, you'll see them start to make allies. And whether it's within the Council of Thirteen or without, having allies is a wonderful thing. It's got somebody, even if you're paying them, has got your back. Until they stick a knife in uh, it. Exactly. Until they don't. Uh you look at how powerful Clan Pestilence got during 
the um, during the age of chaos. You know, they're out there, and Clan Peasants is growing because they are taking land after land after land in Gairan. In fact, sometimes they're taking it from their Nurgle allies. If they get beat, like I said earlier in the, in the book, if they get beat down far enough, they'll not only be scared, they won't have the strength to fight back, and boom, we can, we can, uh, we can make our move at that point. Um, and so that's what happens. Nurgle will go fight. Nurgle gets weakened. Whoop, wipe them out and take over their stuff. And it's just, And it happens almost without fail. The one thing you can count on is that they're going to backstab you at some point along the way. Right now, it's Clan Pestilence and Clan Scryer that are sort of mostly ascendant. Yeah, they're the two big clans right now. They're the ones with the most seats, um, and they hold the most sway right now. Right. Um, and they're two very contrasting styles, um, which then makes it a little more interesting because Clan Pestilence is all about... The plague, biological warfare, um, pestilence, disease, um, that whole thing. Right. But then you're looking at Clan Scryer, which these are the inventors, the builders, um, the improvers on other races' technologies. So it's that very much the tech, the nature versus technology mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah, and, and Clan Scryer, whereas pestilence is is becoming strong because of all the conquering it's doing. It's sort of spread out thin. Clan Scryer's got a lot of his guys sort of in the same area. Uh, and these guys, uh, <laughs> the great thing is, it's they are, Clan Scryer is so wealthy from all of the stuff that they build and they sell. Um, and if you don't like that, if you're worried they're getting too powerful and you openly challenge them, you're going to find yourself having trouble getting those weapons of war that you so desperately need to wage your fight. And that's the thing. They've gotten so strong and so powerful off of weapon sales. Like, it's, you know, whereas one is just getting out there and getting land and conquering and spread out. These guys are building all the weapons of war and selling them. And that makes them super powerful because not only do they have money, but if you try to move against them, suddenly you don't have the weapons you need as quickly as you as you need them. And that that's... That's a power that they hold and they use over the other clans. Everybody's got sort of a special ability. You know, they've all got something mm-hmm. special that they do that gives them that chance at ultimate power among the Skaven. The only problem is, much like when the other Chaos Gods are playing the great game, if one clan starts to do too well, the other ones will put aside their differences long enough to tear you down. And hopefully, while we're tearing you down, if you're not paying attention, I can stick a knife in your back. Mm-hmm. There are some cool stories here. The current Arch Warlock, who is sitting on the Council of Thirteen, uh, is the guy who started using Realmstone in their weapons. Um, everyone else uses Warpstone. We should talk about that probably really quickly, too. Yeah. Uh, the Skaven go after Warpstone, which is basically... Uh, it's concentrated magic, but it's magic from like the Realm of Chaos. It is totally corrupted by Chaos Warpstone. Uh, that's what that is. Uh, we, you know what Realmstone is because we already talked about that. That's the stuff that comes when we talked about Nagash, all the grains of sand out on the far edges and stuff like that. These are all um, things that have power similar to Warpstone, but whereas Warpstone it basically is just the stuff of chaos, all of these 
are very realm related and help to strengthen and and uh and give power to the the realm and the people who use it um they've always considered it inferior to straight up warpstone but with the exception of the clan session yeah maybe um because they have mentioned like the clan session make limited use of ulgu realmstone which is like their own a shadow. So like it's their ability to hide and to sneak. Yeah, that that could be it. Okay. Um now here's the best part about this story. The whole reason I bring it up, because we're just talking about the clans in general. You've got this Arch Warlock Scratch from Clan Essek or Isik. Um He uh gets onto the council because of all the realmstone and you know supercharging the weaponries and all that, um, this fool doesn't care about the council. He wants to take on Archaon, and once he overthrows Archaon, the gods of Kids will have to elevate him to ever chosen. This little Skaven guy, they'll have to elevate him to chosen, uh, and he'll be backed by the Great Horn Rat. But he wants to try to go and kill Archaon, which. If you've read anything about Archeon since Age of Sigmar came out, good luck with that. There's just no chance. But he's trying because they're Skaven and they're egomaniacs and they can do anything that they try and that they set their mind to. It's fantastic. Trying to look through and see what else we have left in this part. It would probably be the end of the Realmgate Wars. Yeah. Um, with Scryer, they've kind of dominated the area around Blight City, so they're very contained um, with regards to like their power hold on the capital. So they have rattling cannon towers and warp rocket batteries that can even shoot at the tower of, Kaz- of Kavzar itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Clan Spestilens is all over the place in Gairan. So they're the big ones, and then you have the Necroquake. So this is where it's catching us up to the present arc. Right. So you have the Necroquake goes off, and you have all of these souls and the dead rise all over the place, including in Blight City. Um, Because it's not, like, in the traditional sense of, like, the realms of reality... It didn't get hit by the worst of it, but you still have tons of ghosts just screaming through, even into open gnaw holes. And this is like the only time that the Skaven really fighting the same enemy. But then at the same time, you lose at least four of the Lords of Decay. So um, the council that goes from effectively 12 members because you've got... You know, the 13th is the Horn Rat. So out of effectively yeah. 12 members. Yeah, you lose a third. Okay. Through the course of all of the fighting um, and the chaos that breaks out. Right. And it could be to the point that, like, civil war could be yeah. imminent. Yeah, they're bringing this story up right up to the minute. And uh, it looks kind of crazy. For Skaven, kind of hoping it does break out so that it kind of pushes their whole agenda a little further back. Mm-hmm. All right, so now we get this little bit about the gnaw holes, and gnaw holes are pretty cool because unlike in the old, the world that was where Skaven were underground everywhere and they just tunneled everywhere, now the realms don't connect that way. So the Skaven have figured out a way to literally chew through reality, which 
if you're going to learn a skill, that's not a bad one, I suppose. Um, the blurb here is fantastic. No other race has mastered this insane craft, and indeed, few would be fool enough to even try, for gnaw holes are unnatural tunnels bored through the very stuff of the void. Um, and they, they do. They use these things to chew their way through reality into all the realms. And you're thinking, it's, you know, you're still probably thinking ground to ground, but the gnaw holes have been have allowed Skaven to assail Caradron Skyports and Ideneth Enclaves and even, rumor has it, slink into the realm of heavens itself. So the Skavens mm-hmm. are using this to get everywhere and to just mess up anything they find in their way as they're moving through and just enslaving whoever they don't kill. Um, they're a ruthless and vicious race. Yeah, but they have to be quick because the Nahals could collapse at any time. Oh, yeah. So not even that is a thing. So I really wonder what happens when the Nahal collapses and you're still in it. I haven't thought about that. That is sort of a yucky thought. (laughs) It is. Um, But then the, the art on pages 16 and 17 where it's like you see the center triangle of Blight City and then all the different gnaw holes that lead off to the various mortal realms and there's five that they depict here um that we can see clearly like um them invading a character on skyport in the realm of metal you've got the plague processions into the realm of life you've got what looks like clans molder going into shyish because you see this flood of corpses uh come through the tunnel when they drain the capped far sea and reveal one of the enclaves mm-hmm. um and then the Ugu one is a looks like a triad of Clan Eshin's uh, assassins or gutter runners right. or death masters. Um, and then there's another one in the realm of fire. And I don't ever remember them in the realm of fire. Well, I don't remember reading about it, but it literally says they're in everywhere. They're in yeah. every realm. So, And it looks like they're laying siege to what looks like either a fire slayer or a dispossessed hold. Oh yeah. So yeah, I just found this bit of artwork a bit interesting because in it like puts, because like on the star map that we got um, where it shows all the different planes connected to each other, all different realms, I should say, you see like these just lines of gnaw holes for quite a bit of it. But now you're like putting a face to it about what they're actually doing. Yeah, and even even though it's going through reality, they still have to follow some sort of rules of construction here. And if you look at the little bits on the map, you can see where there's things going around. There's sort of, uh, you know, whether they're shoring up these parts or working through it, they still kind of act like old school tunnels. Mm-hmm. They're still just as dangerous, and you got to be just as stupid to try stuff like this. But they do, because why wouldn't you? Um. The rise of the Under Empire. So here is, they seem to have dumped the space timeline thing, at least for some of these books. We just got back to the list of stories. This is four pages. Yeah. This is four pages of the the history of the Skaven, according to the Skaven. Uh, This is where it talks about how um, 
And, okay, I did want to talk about this. So during the dawn of the Age of Myth, the great horned rat slinks from the shadow of the void. In his jaws, he holds the first skaven, and these he scatters throughout the darkest corners of the mortal realms. These are the first great clans. It's claimed that as many as 13 were released into the realms, along with the gray seers who would guide them. The great horned rat charges his myriad children to multiply, to consume, and to ruin. And so they do with frenzied vigor. So first you hear this thing about the, you know, multiply and, you know, conquer type stuff. Uh, 13? Now, I mean, it's not surprising the number because that's that's the Skaven number, but there were 13 master clans? Greater clans. Or greater clans, yeah. Sorry, master clans. Potentially. Yeah. And then a lot of this in the in the lore here goes in to explain how what some of these cool other, you know, great uh, greater clans were and how they got wiped out. Yeah, some of them did. Yeah, but some of them are just still, you know, a bunch that haven't been mentioned. I just, this is, this is crazy that there's even more of them. I can't, I just, it's like, ugh, come on, come on. There's so much stuff in here. It's really just crazy. Um and hearing about them getting wiped out, it's like, I never even heard of these guys before. And here they are. I'm like, oh, they got wiped out. Um, Clan Ick, I-K-K. Yep. Uh, that's one of the first ones we read about. Uh, they're doing such a great job at doing what they're doing, both Verminous and Ick. Uh, at one point holding an unimaginable four seats each about the Council of Thirteen. So Clan Verminous... And Clan Ick each have four seats. And this At is, this point in history. Yeah. That's, but that's crazy. Especially, now, let's say it's not 13, um, that there's a few less. Um, still, there's eight seats being held by two clans. The fighting in there must have been madness. Yeah, because he even says that it broke out into civil war between the two of them. Right. Right. I'm even thinking before that, though. It's just, you know, uh, eventually, over the next two years, Clan Ick winds up getting wiped out and annihilated. No, 26. What do you mean 26? So there's civil war between the two clans for 26 years. Mm -hmm. And then in the last two years after that is when it changes, when Verminous... Uh, signs on with clans pestilence. Oh, that's right. That's right. I misread that. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's worded weird because it sounds like is that the last two years of the Civil War or is it there's 26 years of Civil War and then two years more of the right. plague. So, But Clan Ick is gone. It's like, oh, I hardly got to know you. Yeah. Um. Uh, Here's another thing: the parasite engines, mm-hmm. city size, city sized walking fortresses known as parasite engines to leach the vitality of the lands are start coming. City sized? That's just I. I what are they? Are they? AOS has titans now, basically. Yeah, we've seen mentions of these in uh, the God Beasts. Right, uh, Realmgate Wars book, um, but this is putting a little more effort into it. That it's Clan Scryer trying to undermine 
pestilence in the realm of life. True. True. But uh, like I said, I'm just... Oh, this whole book, it gives me a headache. Um, what else in here? Is there anything else in the first couple of pages that we should... Uh, this is... Oh, with that Civil War breaking out, it's basically Screech Vermin King that ends it. Mm-hmm. He comes in... Um, <laughs> unleashing a horrific curse that blasts the warring claw packs to ash. Uh, the great horned rat has been amused by his children's squabbles, he says, but now the great civil war must end. And it ends. Because nobody stands up to Screech Vermin King, not to his face. Um, He's pretty scary. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, he takes out a leader from each well he takes out a leader from each one of the greater clans um with just the twitch of his tail well one of his tails mm-hmm. um he takes out one of the boards of decay by himself just yeah. like yep you're done just to further emphasize hmm. what else do we got in here um the whole order, the whole order of Gracieers gets all called together, and they go in there into the into the big crack. And once they're all gone, the Vermin Lords appear, and the Vermin Lords walk in behind them, ensuring that none of their followers are going to try to go anywhere near going into that place. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they come out, of course, thirteen days later, and they are just ready to go. Nobody knows what happened, and nobody has any clue. But whatever happened, they came out ready to fight. So, uh, let's see what else here. The watching eyes, like how we had mentioned earlier, um, that chaos didn't know what hit him. But it says even here that in the deepest shadows of the God King's throne room, Eshen operatives watch the final preparation. So, they're ready when Sigmar sends down the Stormcast. Yeah. And that's scary that you thought that was all sealed off. And that they're mm-hmm. not getting any info, and you're like, "Oh, wrong." And they do put a name to the stormcast, and they are the lightning things. Yes, the lightning things, because they can't eat them, and they're done. And they turn to lightning, which they know all about, because they use their warp stuff to turn into lightning. This is just not their type of lightning, which is, you know, such a shame. Mm-hmm. Oh, what else in here? I don't, my, you know. It talks a little about the Necroquake. It talks about uh, Blight City. Uh, Gracier Thankful gets his uh, notice in here in the Corpse Thing War. I like this part. I like this part a lot. So he shows up. To some, he is a stranger and an upstart. To others, a name out of half-remembered myth. To most, he appears an egomaniacal lunatic. However, somehow, accounts vary and confusion reigns as to his precise methods. Thankful orchestrates a series of events ever more convoluted attacks by scrabbled-together swarms that first blunt and then drive back the undead. So he's got this. This is what's happening because they got the, the, the it's after the necroquake. He shows up, does all this. After several more days of desperate conflict, threats contained, he disappears as suddenly as he appeared. He is so He does so driven by justified paranoia that the council will want to quickly crush such a successful leader and that make a large number of very unhappy claw lords who want to discuss the catastrophic cost in Skaven lives his plans entailed. Um, yeah, 
he gets out of there because, yeah, he saved the day, but at a super heavy cost. He's like, I ain't going to pay it. I just saved your butts. Boom, disappear. And now everyone else is left to pick up the pieces. And that has really become Thankful's MO in the game on the table when I've played it or in the stories. This has become uh, their MO. And I, I don't know. I'm really, I'm really enjoying this book. When it's not overwhelming. Like I said, lore-wise, it's fun. Once I start yeah. to try to apply it to game-wise, it is it is it is crazy rough. Um, yeah. The other thing I found in here was the Storm Thieves. Mm-hmm. So you have a Gracier that hires out a Scryer clan to work on Storm Thing Snatchers to prevent the souls from going back to Azir. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Go ahead with this. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, initial experiments proved disastrous when the celestial vindicators of Lord Exorcist Esmodire slaughter uh, Kutch's hireling clan rats, and the only soul drawn into a Voltivore engine overloads it and blows it sky high before flashing back to the realm of heavens. Yet, Kutch and his warlock followers are unperturbed, and they just work on new, more powerful engines. And they chalk up the failure to incompetent underlings. Because why wouldn't we? Right. And I like that, you know, you've got incompetent underlings. Or as we said before, it could have been somebody plotting against him. The most important line in there is the soul that it grabbed overloaded it and blew it up. Because yes, it, the singular soul. Yes, but it got one. Yeah. Even if it couldn't keep it. Yeah. I mean, it shouldn't be able to get one, and it did, and that's got to be frightening. At least story-wise, they're in the first step of developing something to capture Stormcast souls before they get away. This is not the first clan, or this is not the first army we're hearing things like this about. Um, I Nagash has done it twice. Yeah. And then um, Dorgar has killed um, Thostos Bladestorm. And he's like, he's worse like, than that. He's dead, Jim. Um, like he's gone, gone. Yeah, no, his soul got eaten. Like that's gone. But it's like they are not, they are not immune to these dangers anymore because there are things out there that even they can't. You know, they're just not going to get a chance to go reform. They're going to be caught. And it's like, oh boy, that. Uh, and there was that uh, one. Uh, Hammer is a Sigmar. Jactos Goldenmane, I think is his name. Uh-huh. That Corgus Cole killed, and he couldn't come back. Right. Oh, that's so right. So there are there are things out there, but it's never been, like, Skaven. Now it is. Uh-huh. Yeah, because that's what you need is one more group. And they're, they're the crazy group. They're going to – someone's going to get a hold of that, you know, from the Warlock Engineers. And boost the heck out of it, and then you're going to see this thing work. And it's like, oh, no, that's a bad plan. But I don't know. So that's the space timeline, or no longer space timeline. It's just the timeline. The timeline formerly known as the space timeline? Yes, that's it. That's exactly it. Um, should we talk a bit about the Skaven clans? Yes, the big ones at least. Yeah. Well, and I love some a little bit of the overview here. Uh, without exception, Skaven clans are geared toward conquest at all cost. They always want more, be it power, territory, riches, breeders, notoriety, or whatever their evil 
or their fevered minds are fixated upon. So it keeps coming back to this idea of greed and cowardice and all of that in the clans. Now, uh, an army is called a swarm. Uh, And most of the time it's made up, uh, you have a leader and his people, and usually the leader is some sort of a skaven lord, and he keeps primarily his own great clan with him. So, you know, uh, uh, someone from from Clan Verminus is going to have tons and tons of creatures. Someone from Clan Pestilence uh, is going to have a lot of uh, disease uh, carrying items. So they're all they all tend to obviously the leaders tend to, to pick from their own first to go out and gain glory. You know, if I pick like eighty percent of your group, Alex, and then I take it to war and I win, you can start claiming some of the victory glory possibly from me. Mm-hmm. Because so much of it was yours, so I have to make sure not to make too much of it yours. So they bring in, you know, but they do still bring in groups from the other great clans because I need a warp lightning cannon, even though I'm not in um, Clan Scryer. Clan Scryer. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't mind having a couple of cool plagues to toss about, even though I'm not in Clan Pestilence. So you bring in small little elite groups that you hire. And once again, now Skavener making more money. You know, you hire these guys in. Um, you're you're putting them on your team, and then you're going out to battle, which is great. Um, of course, just because you hired them doesn't mean that they're there for you. I mean, technically, that is what it means, but not when it comes to Skaven. Um, so. You might hire guys from different clans, but you don't want to overdo it because you never know if they've got an ulterior motive there where you're going to go and (laughs) try to do something. And, oh, look, they just turned around and stabbed your favorite back in the back, you know? Um, And it's going to happen. Somebody's going to try it. The question is when. Um, Ugh, it's like playing Russian roulette with with, with everything you've got. It's just... You're out there in the middle of battle, and then suddenly the guys you're fighting with turn on you because it's about that time, and we don't really want to help you in the first place. Mm-hmm. I just I like it. I'm sorry. I, I'm getting excited about it. I'm trying to I'm trying to sort of keep it all focused, but the lore in this is actually pretty exciting. It makes me want to play these things, except I, I'm not going to at all because I'm not painting all that stuff. Well, you can do a pretty small Skaven army. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But it's the big Skaven army that's cool with all the crazy weapons and the crazy, you know, backstabbing and all the stuff that goes on. This is an army that I love to watch a bit from afar. Yeah. You know, I may not want to play it, but but, wow, it's kind of cool to watch all the stuff they're doing because everybody has got a second, third, and fourth backup plan in place um, that they're hoping not to use, but they're pretty certain based on what they're seeing. Some, it's just, it's that good. It really is. I love it. All right. Uh, let's, do you want to talk a little bit about Clan Scryer? Sure. Probably should. They're the easiest ones to start with. Yep. Um, these are the mad scientists uh, equivalent for the Skaven. These are the ones that build the weapons, that sell them, and they have mountains and mountains of mountains of extra weapons that they've made that they just have laying around. 
um, either because they've improved or because they've sold them or they're just waiting. It's like, oh, look, here we have this. You can buy this from us. We weren't <laughs> using it, but they always save the best ones for themselves. Um, and the labs that these, like the lab warrens that the engineers build out of require a lot of power. Um, and it can be from the most mundane thing, such as literal gangs of rats running in giant wheels. Okay, you know, they very literally have hamster wheels, but they're rat wheels. You know, for their skaven, they literally run their power on a, a four-legged creature running on a wheel. Like, oh, that I think that's actually really funny. Like, I couldn't believe it. It's like, oh, yeah, that works. I guess. Well, especially they even have it like even in the field with the doom wheel. Right. Because those are rats running in the wheels. Um, so they, but these new things, it was always like they get energy from like just the rats running in the wheels or powered by warp stone. With Age of Sigmar, we now see them where they have sucking energy from a dying volcano or, <laughs> this is disgusting, uh, brass batteries powered by the bubbling remains of the cursed dead. So, and I like that it's a brass battery. So if you think how a battery works, you've got that liquid part inside, almost like your car battery and stuff, mm-hmm. and and they're running it on dead bodies, whatever yes. energy that's giving out. They're just and that's going back to that mad scientist nonsense. This is really, uh, this is a fun and cool clan. And like I said, one of the richest and most powerful. In fact. You know they've got the most flags up on top of the most towers in 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 Blight City. Um, they're they're strong with good reason. They're <laughs> the the stuff they make wreaks havoc, and everybody wants some, and that that is power. Um. I think it's pretty cool. So they and oh, they have the first seat on the council. That I, I have that under because I think that's important. They're they're in that kind of a position. They're in that strong of a position that they are literally in the first seat of the council. So, uh, what else? Clan pestilence. Everybody knows about clan pestilence. They worship the the horned rat. Um, through their churches, the churches of um, churches contagion. Of contagion, yeah. And it's—I mean, we all know what this is. It's all about disease. It's all about finding plagues. The one thing that I found pretty interesting is, um, unlike some of the others who seem to focus on, you know, wiping everything else out and then sort of backstabbing your friends when you need to, the clan's pestilence. First of all, they want to wipe out everything but them. And at first you read that, you think that's what all the Skaven want to do, just kind of take out. But they want to take out everything but them. At the end of it all, their ultimate goal is to is to have complete dominion over what's basically a dead world. Everything's withered and, and, and dying and diseased. Um, they can only do this once their god is of one mind and one aspect, the great corrupter. So here, once again, you're talking about all your split personalities and the problems he has. They're trying to unify their god back into one essence. And not only that, <laughs> that they're trying to unify their god back into one essence, but the only way that happens is 
they got to kill off all the other clans too. Um, I, I think this is unique among clan pestilence, is it not? Like the other ones want to enslave and empower them. Clan pestilence plan is, yeah, first we take down the man things and the elf things and the lightning things. But then I got to kill all y'all as well. We are the literal only ones who can stay left. It's the thing that's going to save the horned rat, get him back to his singular, get him back to his singular uh, being and uh, and and get this. Um, now, we've already talked a little about the 13 uh, plagues before. Uh, do you want to give a quick recap on that for anyone who doesn't know what the heck I'm talking about? So to do that to take over and kill everything they need to accumulate the 13 great plagues and these it's kind of like the books of nagash in that sort of it's their semblance of power they need all the various ingredients in order to form these great plagues they need to find the recipes um so there's quite a bit of parts and pieces that they have to find um and of the 13 they have eight yeah that's a lot that's a lot that it is. There are only five off, um, which when you think about like progress, you think about like seats on the council. Okay, you have a third of the chairs available. But when you have like almost two thirds of what you need in order to win, period, um, that's pretty significant. Now, um, I was thinking about this a little bit. Now, they they have it says they found, you know, eight of them. Okay. Now, that doesn't mean they can just automatically make them, though, either. No, because of the nature of the ingredients. Right. I mean, they have the recipes now, but they may not have the ingredients even for all eight. And maybe you can find them, but you got to know where to look. you got to find it. And most of, in, most of these plague priests, the higher-ups, even if they found where the stuff was, it's not like they're going to be like, hey, everybody, come get some. Like, they've, they're still skaven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, someone may know where some of it is, but they're not telling. So it's like, yeah, they have, they've learned about enough about eight to know how, but it's like nobody's brewing all eight right now. No. No. And for a lot of them, they don't even know what they do. That's <laughs> There's the never plague um, that is touched on later. They don't know what it does. It does something. But yeah. They don't know what. That's great. That's <laughs> I really like that quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, it does something. We know it's one of the great plagues. It's got to be good, right? Like it's at, at the very least, it's good. It's going to do the job. We don't know what the job Maybe. is, but yeah. Um, but so got eight, and in I, basically the 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 priest who can not only get all thirteen but brew all thirteen and put them together in one big vessel. Like I've made all thirteen. You, you, this is one of those, I guess, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, because if you've got all 13, you've got to still join all them together. And you do that, you win. That's that's your final step. That's your ascendancy. Then the great horned rat will be unified. Everything else will die, uh, and they will they will unify under this, this thing. But like you said, they've got over half for all intents and purposes right now. That's kind of... That should put your nerves on end a little bit if you're living in the mortal realms at all. Yeah. And the other thing that we haven't talked about um, with all these different greater clans, when they're talking about them, they have the different variances of the clans. So it's not like this clan is like some amalgamation. It's this clan owes its roots 
to heritage from these greater clans. And it's all the different variances, like what they focus on, what they live. Um, Like there's one here um, in Pestilence, the clan Brackish, who dwell on the flanks of a pus volcano, Expugtor, in Gyran, and they specialize in plague artillery. It's a pus volcano. Yes. That's just gross. I mean, that is, yes. and that is, that's not just me saying, I say things are gross all the time. That's really gross. It's a volcano that literally spews pus. Like, that's, like, wait, what? It's just, oh, it's so wrong. It's just so wrong on so many levels. I suppose it's great, you know, if that's the thing you're into, but ugh. Yeah, but it gives even that variety within the basic greater clan itself. Oh, sure. Anything um, else? So then, oh, go ahead. No. Uh, I think Sorry. we've pretty much covered Pestilence because we've got a lot more to cover still. Right. Um, Clans Verminous. Um, so this is strength through numbers. Um, they have the most followers, but they don't like have anything like crazy special weapons. They don't have chemistry. They don't have ninja abilities. It's they're breeders. Sheer strength of numbers. Yeah. They're literally breeders, and they train some of them to be slightly better soldiers if you get a, a nice, if they look like, you know, when they come out, if they look kind of strong. Um, the other clans kind of look down on them a little bit, or at least pretend to, you know, because they, they don't have a specialization. Oh, all you do is just make more? That's your thing? <laughs> you know, that's a good thing, though. Um, it literally says in the book that... Um, if Clan Verminus was not breeding Skaven at this rate, that the constant warfare uh, would have taken its toll, and Skaven, basically Skaven race would have, would have been wiped out by now. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, think about that. Think about, just remember, billions of clans, trillions if not quadrillions of Skaven, they are at war so much, and so many of them die. Not only in war, but through in internal politics and infighting in the clans, that that those trillions. Let's not even say quadrillions. Let's just say in the you know hundreds of trillions, they'd be wiped out because that's how quickly and how often and just the sheer number of these guys who are just dying a quick and untimely death. It's it's. How much are they? Like, how much is Clan Verminous making that they can keep it in order? If it's dying off at a, at a high enough rate that normal reproduction and normal replacement is not enough to keep it to keep the race going, that you need this this clan that just breeds. And it also has to do with the nature of Skaven breeding, and we don't necessarily need to go into it. Um, oh yeah, that's kind of gross. Yeah, it's disgusting. Um, but it's just, they produce these massive litters of rats and it's just the volume of kin that you can get from a single interaction between a Skaven and a breeder. And it just, that's, it's just nonstop. Right. It's just a machine and it just keeps pumping out more and more and more. Uh Now, the funny thing is, is, 
despite the fact that they don't have a specialization to speak of, they still have some power, and it's in those sheer numbers. Because you'll get a, a leader from Clam Verminous go out and is just not afraid to to just take to that field with the enemy. Their leaders are happy to send thousands of their underlings to their doom as long as it two things. As long as it doesn't put the leader's life in danger. I don't I'm not gonna get killed, just take something else. Um, and if it puts the other clans in their debt. You know, if if we'll give you we'll make you whatever you need, you know. But you're gonna owe us. Mm-hmm. There are more swarms contain at least some clan verminous uh, groups than don't. They're in most armies. Even if it's your main army and you've got a, a you know, we've said before, they will, they'll, they'll hire out for smaller bits, but generally you're taking the bulk of your clan. There's times mm-hmm. you can't, and Clan Verminous is happy to send their guys in on your dime. It's, it's kind of a neat clan. Like, there's not much here, but they, they have made themselves indispensable and essential. I like it. You going to take Molder then? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, this is the Dr. Frankenstein aspect. Um, they take all the different things uh, that they can find, that they can catch, and whip stitch together to create these horrible monsters um, with which to take over. Um, they are very weird rats in general yeah i mean Um, they're not stable in the head i mean no they are not the alchemy and the dark magic and the just sort of insane surgeries they do and i'm certain it's all warp stone augmented so their own minds are getting poisoned and stuff like that is there it's just well they also augment themselves too oh sure they work on themselves at the same time and why not i need another arm how else am I going to eat some, eat a sandwich while I'm sewing up this thing over here? Yeah, or it's better to kill people. Um, if I have this big claw, well, I can just oh, lash so you're it being on practical, me. and I'm thinking of a sandwich. Okay, but well, of course, but that's the thing. It's just like he might have a fourth arm though, because he's got two arms and a big claw, and then a sandwich-eating arm, as well as a prehensile tail. Uh huh. So. But regardless, these things they tend to be even bigger than their follow than the average Skaven because they continue to like build themselves up. They look at the Great Horn Red as like this protean mass of verminous flesh that just keeps bringing out and it keeps multiplying. Um, and they want to bring that into reality so it buries all the realms in like rat flesh. Let's think about that for a minute. Let's unpack that. Their plan is to bring their god from the realm of the void or chaos or wherever he is and bring him into our world. Because basically what he is is a flesh monster, not necessarily too unlike a hell pit abomination, but something that is... there's an example that nobody in the audience is going to get, but I'm going to use it anyway. They made a animated movie for kids in like 74, the Raggedy Ann and Andy movie. Okay. I'm certain you've never seen it. Please tell me. I'm no. Correct. Okay. Um, they go to this place and they find this thing called the greedy 
and all it does is want to eat everything. And it's basically now it's a, it's made more of like candy or taffy or something, but picture it as as all flesh, right? And it's just constantly pulsing and moving and reforming. Um, another example would be something like the Shoggoths from H.P. Lovecraft. Um, picture that. Something that's constantly moving, reforming, taking shape, jaws forming and closing, eyes opening and then closing and, and forming. And this thing just grows bigger and bigger and bigger. Because it's not just there and pulsing. It's because that's their whole thing. Everything's growing bigger, right? And eventually the entire... All the realms, the entire known, you know, universe here is just going to be buried under the continued growth of this fleshy, weird monstrosity. This is such a gross and horrible way for the universe to end. Um, it It's just, it doesn't even make sense. This is... I mean, I understand the plague people, and I understand the guy, you know, the, these guys here. This is just weird. The thing to understand is, like, this is, in a way, it's bringing everything together into one being. Oh, yeah. In a big, fleshy, weird, not solid, constantly moving and undulating and and bursting and popping and reforming. I'm just trying to think of other gross terminology that I can come up with. No, you don't need to, but um, that's the <laughs> point. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, no, it's crazy. And the thing is, these are like the consumers. Um, they're always hungry because they're augmenting their bodies. They're changing their body chemistry that they always need to eat. Yeah. So, so yeah, no, they're... They're pretty gross. Yeah. And then um, we come to Clan Eshin. I really liked this entry a lot. I did, too. This is so good. Um, they train the deadliest killers. They put them, and they instill in them a discipline so utterly lacking uh, in most Skaven. It's also a mystery. Like, they're, they don't squirt the musk of fear nearly as often as the other ones. They are, they, they are basically almost actually brave. In fact, I would say that they kind of are brave. They could, and if it's not bravery, it's that it's that ability to just not back off and run because they're assassins. They're that disciplined. Um, what I what really gets interesting in this part is, it's like, who are these people who run it? We don't know. They disguise their bodies. They have body doubles. They have decoys. They have all this stuff. You never know if you're actually talking to the person you think you're going to talk to. Plus, they've got assassins coming out the wazoo because that's what they do. And then it's like, well, if they've got all of this, how come they haven't made a move and just tried to wipe out all of their enemies and just take over? And that is the question that keeps other clan leaders, other lords of decay from the council up at night, is we have no idea what these guys are doing. And any attempts to find out have been rebuffed or or stopped short like they're just nobody is able to get through here um the uh they talked about how they see the great horned rat as the shadow of murder a secret of abomination that compels them to slay all those who hold positions of power and to spread anarchy confusion and panic among the rivals and they alone uh until until they and they alone possess all the information needed to rule um, 
And then it gets into this crazy part at the end. So it's Clan Scurry and Clan Strike that are the two. They each Scurry and Strike each have uh, a seat on the Council of Thirteen. They seem to be the largest and most powerful of the clans, and they're, what they're doing is so unknown. Everybody is so paranoid about them that they start to actually question, are these really the largest and most powerful clans? Are they really even the clans they say they are? Maybe they're one of the less strong clans. Maybe they're one of their weak clans, and they're showing it to us as it's, it must be a strong clan to hold this place so that they'll lull us into a false sense of security. Uh, that, when you get to that level of paranoia, you know, these guys have, like, Eschen derangement syndrome at this point. <laughs> they really do. Because, I mean, when you're worried that everything I'm being shown is a lie, but I have no way to prove it, and I don't know how to convince anyone of it, all we know is that we don't have any information on them, and I can only assume the worst, that gets, that's fantastic. That's just so great. That's like they reading that. I'm like, I think I like these guys the best. Yeah, they're. I've almost pulled the trigger on Clan Zeshin. Um, really? Yeah, but there's an issue. The models. They are old, and they don't they look like old. those. Those. Is it the gutter runners? They don't look like rats. The. The Night Runners and the Gutter Runners, like they're both old style skating. Um, the chunky metals and the, ch- they still the look chunky like more plastics. like monkeys and rats. Yes, with the big monkey hands, the big monkey feet, and the detachable tails. Um, yeah, that's really the only thing that would stop me from doing it. Yeah, but it is so cool. Like this one is really cool. Um, and then there's the Master Clan. Shall we talk about them? I mean, we probably should. They're like the masters. Yep. They're yeah. Go ahead. So this in the old in the world that was this was kind of like the order of gray seers, um, and they were the ones really that were in charge. Um, but more, it's just a weird sort of thing that they've kind of put them all together because the ones that make up the master clans are all gray seers and essentially the vermin lords. Um, so this is what used to be the order of gray seers, but regardless, um, so at the end of the day, like the members of the council of 13 believe, um, that they are the ones in charge of the under empire, but more often than not, they're actually being manipulated and serving the ends of the master clan. Um, whether they know it or they don't, um, they find like the master clan have found that the great clans are more pliable if their leaders believe that the gray seers are at their beck and call instead of the other way. So they're playing them, the other Lords of decay against each other to like try to further their own gains. Um, yeah. Act like, act like you're just wizards for hire or not even for hire that you, you live to serve the greater players. Yeah. And then they sit there and they, and if that guy's so obviously my servant, I'm not suspecting him of anything else. Then they're hiding in plain sight, just using that. Mm-hmm. The thing that scares, that's really scary about them, is how smart they are. Um, and like 
that's part of what denotes them in the gray seers is their intellect, but then they also look different. They all have the gray fur and horns. Um, so the chose their of the great horned rat to give them the yep. horns. Yeah. So they are manipulators who need to control everything. They're like complete control freaks. Compulsive um, about it. Yeah. Yeah. And when they get on the field of battle, it, you have to be like a genius in order to defeat them or incompetent underlings. Um, <laughs> That's how, or incompetent underlings. Yeah. Um, and then they often ride to war on screaming bells, um, which further magnifies their power. It's like an altar to the horned rat. Um, and the tolling of that bell is the closest thing to devotion that a Skaven knows. Yeah. Um, but by the same token, it uh, inspires terror and pain um in non-skaven so um yeah they are this used to be just the order of gray seers so like when age of sigmar came out and we saw them as the master clan and we had no real context to what they were um it was a little weird but now that we have the context for what they are it makes a lot more sense yeah yeah it's pretty good and they do take a chunk out to specifically talk about Thanqual and Bone Ripper. Um, and Thanqual, if you're not familiar with who he is from the world that was, um, he was one of, if not the most powerful Gracier in the world that was. Also the craziest. And the craziest. And um, the most warpstone addicted. He was just a hot mess. Yeah. Um, so we should also explain like Gracier's consume warpstone in order to augment their magical abilities. Um, he's like full on addicted to it and he can tolerate it the best of the warps of the Gracier's, but he's kind of like this weird outsider because he's more of a legend than anything else, but he's still very much alive. Um, and he's always had a rat ogre bodyguard named bone ripper. Um, and it doesn't matter how many of them he's gone through. He always names him bone ripper. Yeah. Now, did, was he in the old? Excuse me. Was he in the old clan books? Um, like all the way back, or was he? Because the first time I heard of him, and like I said, when I started playing Warhammer, I didn't have all the books and stuff like that, so I didn't know much about Skaven. But the first time I ever heard about him was in Gotrek and Felix. Yes. Yeah, because he shows up in Gotrek and Felix. And it's so much fun watching him show up there. That's one of the things that really endears me to his character as well, besides the fact that Gotrek's my favorite and I was reading all those books, was Gracier Thankful, like, kept running across their path. Like, he'd have this master plan and it's about to work, and then Gotrek screws something up. In fact, Gotrek might have killed, at least in the world that was, more bone rippers than pretty much anyone else. Singularly, yes. Yes, because so many times he sends him after him and he tears him up. And then Gracier Thankful does something and then suddenly they owe him. And he's like, ooh, I'll take this and I'll call him Bone Ripper. And uh, it's just, yeah, that's a great story too. That that weird legend stuff. The fact that he pops up, does stuff and takes off. And no one knows it's because he's a weird magical myth. Or if he just knows better than to stick around because people will try to kill him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, he's a ton of fun. I like him a lot. His rules are dumb. This, oh, yeah. You know, I'm still, I'm, was, when we get to it, I still personally believe that it, much like they did with the uh, Storm Fiends and with the uh, the Caradron Overlord Thunderers, 
Uh, it should be a two and two uh, on his weapons, not just oh take all you because that's all anyone does. They just load up with four of the best thing, and it makes it just sort of unfun to play with. But that's just my opinion, the, and we're not even in the war section. Yeah, the issue with this model though is he has the option to do all four of one or the other. Yeah, he does. Like it's actually attached on the spruce. That's what makes it tricky. Yeah. But you can still do two and two, and you can still kind of legislate it, I suppose. It's, it's too late to go changing up the, the what you get on the model. But just, hey, look, it's two and two. That's what it is. Use the other stuff for something else. Um, Let's talk Vermin Lords. Yeah. Yeah, because Vermin Lords are the last of the actual creatures that we're talking about. And then we start to get into... Uh, uh, unit types from the different clans and things that they do. So we'll do this one before we take another break. Um, they are simply everything that the Skaven aspire to be. They're 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 the perfect Skaven sort of specimen. All other vermin lords are their rivals, and all mortal Skaven are basically just pawns. And that's how it is. They're they're so powerful. No basic Skaven dares stand up to him. Uh, so the only people they have that are sort of peers are other vermin lords, and those guys are their rivals because I don't want them messing with my stuff. Um, it is in their nature to manipulate things from the shadows. I whisper here, a bit of influence there. But if they got to take it to the field and get out there and fight, they will. Um, and watch out if they do because they're no slouches. I mean, they are – this is what this is like the Demon Prince version – of the, the Skaven version of a demon prince, basically, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, there are what four types of vermin lords, or is it more? I can't remember. You have the deceivers, which is Eshin, warbringers, which is verminous, corruptors, which is pestilence, the warp seers. The closest thing you have is scryer. Um, right. Molder does not have one. Nope. And then it's Vermin King, so five. So there's five with Screech Vermin King. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, so Screech Vermin King is sort of like the leader. We already talked about. Oh, excuse me. We already talked about that in the lore. He's the he's the head of the Shadow Council. He's the one who shows up and actually sits in the Horned Rat seat and says, "Okay, this is what he wants me to tell you." Um, after that, you got Warbringers. They are the Arrogant, uh, arrogant, aggressive, territorial, really horrifying in battle. They're the, they're the just straight up knuckle brawlers, right? Yarp. Excuse me, I got a cough there. Oh goodness. Um, the vermin lord deceivers are more subtle and secretive. Lots of supernatural strength and skill. The corruptors are basically the demigods of clan pestilence. They are fanati- they're fanatics, and their whole focus is spreading disease and entropy. What a surprise. Um, and then there's the Warp Seers. Um, they're manipulators. They're schemers. Their strength lies in a lot of their magical and arcane abilities. Um, they're, they're very cool. They're cool models, cool drawings. Um, but they break down along these sort of lines as to what their specialty is, which is not unlike most of the stuff in this book, breaking down the lines mm-hmm. of what their specialty is. Um, yeah. And that's, I mean, there's, you know, that's basically, you get a very generic sort of overview of them in here. So uh, let's take another break because mm-hmm. I need one. And yeah. then 
uh, when we come back, we'll talk. Uh, still got the the basic troops from the <laughs> five great clans. Okay, we're back, or we'll be back. Lindsay's Game of Garrison in Wakanda, Illinois. Wow, that's terrible. But they're not. They carry the full GW range for all your hobby cravings, and customers get 10% off their purchases every single day at Lindsay's Game of Garrison. What makes Lindsay so special? Well, there's weekend events for AOS, 40K, Underworlds, Song of Ice and Fire, Star Wars Legions, pretty much every other tabletop game going on, and they've got something there going on almost every weekend. If tabletop gaming is your thing, there's always something happening at Lindsay's. But David, you say, what if I want to support Lindsay's but can't always make it out there? Well, I'm glad you asked. Lindsay's online store makes shopping easy. Just go to lindsaysgarrison.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-S garrison.com. And fill your cart with hobby goodness. Show listeners. You can enter GH Savings at checkout for extra specials and discounts. And did I mention free shipping for orders over 50 bucks? Because, yeah, there's free shipping for orders over 50 bucks. That's like a book in a box or two boxes. It's so easy. That's Lindsay's. And don't forget, enter GH Savings at checkout at lindsaysgarrison.com. That's Lindsay's Game of Garrison in Wakanda, Illinois. That's horrible. I'm leaving it in. We are back. Back, here we back. Are. Back, back. Yes, yes. Here, here. No, it's here now. Uh, I see, see. Because here, here. No, it's you see, saw. No, you don't see, saw. I see, and uh, I see. See, watch. <laughs> see, lab. All right. Ooh, this is just getting stupid. Piss. All right. Ah. <laughs> You actually boo hissed me. Okay, all right. So won't be the first time. Won't be the last. <laughs> all right. You know, and we were saying uh, during break, man. Um, I'm just, I mean, I hope I'm able to edit that first part of the show uh, well enough. Man, I was. There is so much stuff in this book that when we were just talking in the generalities of the time and the history and the and the clan stuff. I was getting lost. Like, I was just blanking out. We had to go back and rest- I had to go restate things and make sure that I didn't sound completely stupid because it was just like long, dead pauses where I was like losing my own train of thought. But once we sort of break it up by groups, at least I, I, I know where I'm focused. Um, yeah, it becomes a lot easier once you break them down into the greater clans. But I also think that this book is intentionally written that way. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't disagree one bit. It's just there's so much here that I'm just like, ugh, for the love of Pete. I mean, we're still got this. We still got all the the, the basic units from all the different great clans. So let's kind of let's sort of give a nice skim on these uh, warlocks and weapons of Scryer. So we get to Clan Scryer. Um, the top guys are the uh, the arch warlocks, and underneath them are the Warlock engineers, mm-hmm. uh, warlock engineer. You, you know they all want to become arch warlocks. You know the the supermasters of this stuff, but basically the warlock engineers 
you know, are are the that that not top top echelon, but they're they're the they're the guys, right? They're the adepts. They're the guys who have their own sort of uh, their own labs, their own things. And then you've got the acolytes who are like their servants, hoping someday to be an engineer. And the engineers sort of break down as to uh, you know, it's kind of whatever interests them because you're going to be sitting working on all sorts of experimental stuff. So yeah. what, whatever interests them is the way they go. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, some of them, you know, um, are interested in death from afar with mass artillery. So those become then the bombardiers. Right. Um, or there are others that are obsessed with like close up and personal. So they develop more of the close combat type weapons um, if the need arise um, or the ones that do like the gas weaponry or anything derived from that. So there's a lot of different specializations that a war that a warlock engineer can take. Right. And then the acolytes are the guys who are interested in this sort of stuff and, and working with him and helping him out. Yeah. Um, but the big thing is like, they then get into these suits and they are the ones that throw the gas bombs, <laughs> yes, um, the gas are. globes. Um, they used to be the poison wing globe of deers, but now they're just straight acolytes because they've given them like an actual role. It's like, they're still inventors. They still do all these weird techie things, but when it comes time to fight, they go into the gas suit and hope. Well, and that also makes sense because you're not going to give this stuff to you know you know you you don't give away your tech you know you rent it out stuff like yeah. that. So you have all these acolytes who are helping the main guy. I mean, the engineer goes out into battle. Where are the where are his helpers? Oh, those are all the guys lugging out the, the all the stuff they made. It totally makes sense. I like that they turned the acolytes into the actual guys who are out there doing the job. I suppose mm-hmm. I suppose the acolyte you liked the least or thought the least of, you'd put him on a poison wind globe of deer, uh, you know, as opposed to just running out there with, oh, I don't know, some of these other crazy things. Because now we get to some of the stuff they invent. Like, you know, the doom wheel, which is more rats running on treadmills. Or little, they got a little wooden wheel that they're running to power up their the the thing inside the giant wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, that in fact, the, the rats inside running on the small wheels is what makes this thing move. It also sparks the warpstone generator, which is what powers the weapons, so they can be blasting at things all around. The problem is, if you really start moving with this thing, you're going to overstress the generator, and that could cause it to fire arcs of lightning at random. Or just blow up. <laughs> Big spectacular flash of warpstone power, and you're gone. Um, they are pretty cool. You have to be sort of crazy to ride them, but because they're just a giant wheel with guns on the side. Yeah, and you run them over your troop, your enemy. So the big thing is, like, there's a lot of power um, that comes with being in a doom wheel. Um, yeah. So you're kind of feeding into the megalomania for that particular engineer. So it's like, is the risk worth it? Oh, sure it is, because they're out there running like maniacs. And that thing is totally devastating, unless it explodes. It's devastating. It's just, who does it hurt more first? Yeah, until it explodes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. What else we got? We got a couple of weapons teams. You got the warp fire thrower. The warp fire thrower is basically a flamethrower that is an alchemical liquid mixed with warp stone that just burns the second it hits the air. So you don't need an ignition thing. You just need something that's going to spray out this 
this stuff at a decent clip. Um, and then once it hits the air, it's everything it it's burning and everything it touches is burning. Mm-hmm. And, and it's an unnatural flame, so it's really really hard to put out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And once again, you've got another weapon here. This, uh, you know, and oh look, here's the here's the big giant warp stone. And once again, totally devastating to anything it hits, unless of course it blows up. And that's totally devastating to the guy wielding it. Mm-hmm. There's a little theme here. Things blow up with these guys. Uh, rattling gun. It's like a Gatlin gun, except with rats. Six barrels. Crank it. It shoots really fast, except these are warpstone, um, warpstone-laced bullets. So they're coming across, and when they hit stuff, they cause even more damage. They do more nonsense. But as you're cranking through those, if you get a warpstone-laced bullet that's a, that jams up the thing, it rolls around, it tries to jam a second one in there. That doesn't work. And then what happens? It's been totally devastating until it did what? Blew up. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do we got? We got a few more things here. You want to grab yeah, a couple of these? There's, yeah, the, there's two more. The Doom Flare, which is essentially this massive metal ball of blades um, that was initially designed to do, like, tunnel clearance, um, but they've turned them onto the field of battle. So, essentially, what you've got going on is uh, someone... You've got a rat tending the engine and keeping the thing moving, and another one just steers it going crazy um, and kind of like laughing and cackling as it goes through the troops. But <laughs> if the doom flare stalls out, you're kind of a, you're kind of a dead duck as it were, cause you're stranded yeah. um, and then you're easily overwhelmed. Yeah. And plus you just ran through all those troops, all those, your enemies' lines. They're not too, looking too kindly on you when it stalls out. You are so dead. Yep. Um, and then the last one is the Warp Grinder. Um, so this is a weapons team that essentially digs tunnels. Um, and that's really all of it does is it gets troops into uh, different spots um, quickly. So this one gets used a lot, quite a bit by Clan Zeshin, um for their like ability to strike um, at range. So they send like bands of gutter runners or night runners um, in to do what they do best. Um, and then if you have to fight, then you just kind of stick the drill end at the other guy. So. Yeah. Because that always works. You know, you got a tunneling machine. You, okay, look, I'm just going to grind you up with this because that's what I have and that's what I do. Um, they've still got a couple other things. They've got the warp lightning cannons made by the uh, Arc Spark Voltic engine covens, powered by an enormous chunk of warp stone. Uh, it makes this huge charge. It makes all the Skaven work in it. Their hair stands up. Their hair actually takes on a weird sickly green bit. Um, they get these weird green, you know, flash images in their eyes. Like anyone who's in the vicinity of this, even working it, is going to get some sort of damage from it. Um, then the bolt just sort of shoots out and heads downward. And depending on how far you can get it to go before it dips... Anything standing in the line that that thing's going across is getting messed up. And then it's going to drop. And once it drops low enough to hit the ground, that blow up too. So 
uh, warp lightning cannons are super devastating. Um, until they blow up. Until they blow up, yeah. Because that's how this works. And then if you didn't think rat ogres were scary enough with all the insane surgery and the drug addiction and uh, all the other stuff that we were talking about with uh, Clan Scryer, um or no, the Clan Mulder, you know, making these big monsters. Clan Scryer buys them, not quite ready yet, and then just attaches guns to their arms or attaches giant fists to their arms. Because uh, ogres weren't scary enough. Now we're yeah. just yeah, tie a big weapon that we couldn't possibly carry, but that guy could tie that to his arm and let's see what he does. Yeah, and essentially, um, in the growing process, their brains are not nearly developed enough to do what they need to do um, with regards oh, to firing right. these weapons and everything. So they have this horrible. Um, atrophied like brain skaven sutured directly to their back um so this way it can give them a sense of uh one discipline and purpose um so this way they aren't just this mindless killing machine they actually like serve a purpose and can wield the weapons right so they have like this weird little crank thing on their back um that just looks absolutely horrible but it's just it's all sorts of wrong uh, and then finally, you got the warp block Gisales. Um These are sniper rifles, and it takes a two Skaven team to do it. Um, the rounds are made of refined warp stone. Um, you take a shot from this, it's punching through whatever your armor is. That's how that works. It's got long distances, and it can punch through your armor. Uh, it may not be as heavy as some of the other weapons but you can quickly move it along and get stuff done um you put this up you take the high ground a place where you can see all around you uh and you can turn miles and miles of territory into just no you know nobody's crossing here um you can turn all in no man's land but just the proper positioning of a couple of gisales because that's what they do they snipe you out from a million miles away Mm -hmm. um all right, so what what haven't we talked about in pestilence? We've already talked a bit about the plague priests. So you want to you want to run through them quickly again? The priests and the monks. Yeah, sure. So the plague priests are the leaders of the church as a congregation, uh, or con- contagion. Yep. Um, they're the ones that chant the withered word um, and bring about all of these plagues, and they have these essentially just like. We kind of broke it down in the last episode when we were talking about clans pestilence and went into a bit more breakdown about what they are. They're like prophets, zealots, and they try to make themselves like with these crazier, bigger titles. Um, oh, right. Typically tied to their duties within the church and then completely overblown because they want to be like essentially the deacon or whatever um, the high priest important. is. Yeah, no, they want to be yeah. a cardinal. They don't mm-hmm. want to be an altar boy or a deacon. Yeah. Um, so then next down the totem, and then they ride uh, the the big sensor, the plague furnace. Um, and that's essentially like a living altar to the great horned rat as well. Um, just that different aspect. So they're the ones that do all that. Um, the plague monks are the heart of the horde. Um, and these are just the nuts like 
they're the flagellants essentially of the Skaven race. Um, it's an insane level of courage um, because that's what they it's what they are. They're just it's this religious uh, zealotry that isn't prevalent with the other Skaven that gives them this lack of fear or lack of pain. They do have a higher pain tolerance for a Skaven. Well, sure. Much um, like the Nurgle guys, they're, yeah. even their their uh, nerve endings are dulled from all the disease and plague and nonsense. Exactly. Um, so that's what those guys are, and there's a ton of them. But when they do squirt out the musk of fear, um, it's like curdled um, and other nasty nits. And that even makes rat ogres take a step back because yeah. of how nasty it smells. Yeah. So – in any event. Um, and then moving on from that, you have the Plague Sensor Bearers. Um, now, these guys are essentially like the fanatics uh, for Clans Pestilence. Uh, they, what essentially they do is they take these massive flails. Um, they put in warpstone infused oil, set it alight. Um, and it's just this constant thing of gas, which blisters, corrodes. Um, and causes organs to swell. Um, but it also does that to the guy wielding it, um, and it rots their brain out. So they go a little insane. Um, so a lot of the guys that are um, the plague sensor bearers, they are ones that kind of look down upon initially because it's like, right? well, I'm going to make you take this plague sensor. You're going to die, but on your way out, you're going to do quite a bit of work for us because they don't care. They just and, charge headlong. And sometimes they grab people who do care, though. Uh, if I got mm-hmm. a rival and I'm not like how he's doing, we knock him out and he wakes up in the robes with the staff tied to his, tied to his uh, hands so he can't drop it. Mm-hmm. And he's just out there, too. So it's it's an honor to those who are kind of crazy enough and want to go out there and do what they're supposed to do, but it's also a death sentence for your political enemies if you can just jam them into their into the job. Yep. Yep. And then the plague furnaces we've kind of talked about them a little bit, um, how they're essentially altars uh, to the great horned rat. They have these massive plague sensors um, that drop down like wrecking balls. Um, and it's, they let out this massive smog of poisonous clouds. Um, and they essentially use them like to break through lines, um, and really just go absolutely bananas. And they're the ones that are pushed by the plague monks around them. Right. Uh, I love that what they put in there is, uh, warp stones saturated with mixtures of diseased foulness and piled into the massive sphere before being doused with rancid alchemical fluids instead of flame. There's nothing healthy or good about that thing swinging, and it's going to come right up to the wall and try to break that siege or whatever it is that's doing. Uh, they can be super dangerous. Mm-hmm. And then the Plague Claw is the artillery component for Clan's Pestilence, and they essentially just take buckets of sludge, organs, other bits of nastiness and disease, and they literally rain it down, yep. down uh, spreading that disease. Um, and they're providing blessings to those that 
see the plagues as blessings. So, like they're not affected by it. The followers of Nurgle aren't affected by it. Um, but everyone else gets all these blessings shared with them. <laughs> but it's still serving the purpose of uh, the corrupter um, corrupting things. So, yep. Uh, Verminous, you know, you got your Claw Lords. We already talked about. Uh, the status of Claw Lord is not something a Skaven works toward and earns. It has to be seized in a bloody instant. So you're not going to be a Claw Lord and a leader uh, just through merit. You have to kill to become a Claw Lord. You have to get rid of your enemies or the, your superiors, basically. You decide which spot you want, and you go to take it. Um, lots of accidents happen. Oh, crushed by a collapsing tunnel. Oh, how did you impale yourself on those daggers? That's terrible. Uh, oh, gosh, did you eat poisoned meat? That's terrible. Um, oh, were you over there when we were firing the war fire thrower? Oh, that's terrible. Um, that's basically, and then you, you, but you take the spot if you can get away with it. Um, and that's really what you need uh, to know. Uh, basically, all the skills a claw lord must have. Uh, you know, a caller's got to have skills, the ability to do all this fighting and stuff he wants to survive. Any threats to a leader's position must be ruthlessly countered. No effort spared in eliminating potential usurpers. Meanwhile, conquests and victories must be constantly accrued if you want to minimize the muttering of your detractors. Many in Skavendom believe this is one of the main reasons Clans Verminous are so perpetually aggressive. The Claw Lords always need new trophies. Um... You got clan rats, you know, they're the the worker class, also the slave class at times. Um, Clan rats are the bottom of the barrel. They don't get armor. They barely get a shield. Um, These are not guys you, you know, they're just, they are there for the numbers, basically. Um, Hmm. Let's see what else. And then the storm vermin. Because, like I said, if having a giant rat ogre... Wasn't good enough. We need to go and make sure that we can attach all sorts of weird weapons to him. No, no, storm vermin are different. Oh no, no, I'm reading the wrong thing. Wow, I'm such an idiot. No, I was thinking of the storm fiends. Oh no, storm vermin are the uh, the better fighters. Yeah, they're the, the elite. Yeah, they're actually pretty cool. I like the models. Yes, I like that. They're they're really good. Yeah, um, these are the big hulking ones. Um. They're typically marked even from birth because their fur is a different color. That's right. They're darker, aren't they? Yeah. The darker the fur, uh, the more believed that you are to be a killer or more ferocious than the average rat. So these are the bigger, hulkier ones. They wield heavier weapons. They wear the best armor that they can scavenge or put together. Um, And they get hired out a lot as bodyguards. But... You have to be careful to trust them to watch your back because they may put a halberd through it. Or they may just not do the protecting thing because somebody paid them off to not do the best job they can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Hiring someone outside of your great clan as a bodyguard is, is dangerous at best. But they can do a lot of good if they do what they're told. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, they're great. By I love you. Them. Yeah. Um, then we get to, uh, the clan molder, um, 
Master boulders have absolute power over their clans. Uh, many have been mutated by constant exposure. We talked all about this. Uh, the pack masters, they move out there, and they're the guys who are goading, you know, their their big beasts into battle, um, making sure to keep them hungry and to make sure to get them all riled up before you set them free. That's a pack master's job. Uh, you got war rats; those are like the size of dogs. You got rat ogres; they're like the size of ogres. <laughs> And then you got the Hell Pit Abomination, which is, hey, we got all this stuff. Let's put it all together. Um, it's completely insane and crazy and big. And, you know, um, we're just going to – we built it, and now it's crazy and tough and angry, and we'll just – we can set it free when we need to and then rope it back in when it's done. Um, it's, if you haven't seen one, you got to look at it. It's just literally – Hundreds of rats and other things and, and stuff just sewn and stitched together. It's yeah, uh, and it's got like an engine built onto it. Yeah, it got um, wheels. Yeah, it's a horrible amalgamation of things, but that is what Molder is. It's what they strive to be. Um, and then you have the last is Eshin. Yeah, um, it's the last. <laughs> yes, um, these guys are. Your killers, um, your assassins, your spies, your infiltrators. So it starts with the Death Masters, who what used to be assassins. Um, they're the leaders in the field, um, the chief spy, um, and their thing is obviously uh, they're super agile, very very quick, um, and they're very hard to hit because they're so fast. Yep. Um, so they don't wear a lot of armor, but they just move that quickly. Um, and they are almost to the point of like doing things autonomously from their leaders. Like you can actually trust them to do what they're supposed to do. Um, so it's not really sure how they got this loyalty or like sense of responsibility or willingness to take orders. But uh, these are the ones that do it. Um, they're freaks. They don't yeah. show too much fear. They 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 stand when they should run. Um, yeah, they're just freaks by Skaven standards. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the next set is gutter runners and night runners. Um, but this is weird. Um, you have to like earn your right to progress through the Eshin ranks, not just from murder and everything, but you have to move up the levels. Um, right. So you start as a night runner and then you build up to being a gutter runner. Um, which is like the elite of the elite ninja rats, essentially. Um, and you have to earn it. Like, yeah. you know, because these guys have a reputation of old. They've got the skills, and you got to prove you got the skills. You can't just kill the guy ahead of you and be like, now I'm him. Yeah, I mean, they still do that, but it's not as much. And not so much at the very lower levels, because... It's not that impressive down there. It's got to be something sort of up higher, I think, a bit, from what I understand. Mm -hmm. um, so that way, it's, it's, your kill is impressive enough to earn you that spot, basically. Yes. And that's that's all, that's everything. It took quite a bit, but we yeah. got through it. Um, once again, sorry if I was a little like scatterbrained in the beginning. Um, it, there's just so much stuff, and some of it's new, and there's really cool stuff. That Shadow Council, is that's a great idea. 
that all the yeah we had it at the end of the world it was yeah Um, but carrying it through and really showing what it's about i think was quite a good move no that's pretty cool um and i liked like i said even though there's a lot of it and thank god there's only five master clans or five great clans um their strengths and weaknesses. I mean, we all kind of know them in general, but having them really lay it out and be like, this is why these guys are scary. You know, the Verminus may not have a lot of finesse. It may not have a lot of cool stuff, but it's got all the bodies. And if they weren't around, the race would be screwed. And the fact that they are around uh, and breeding that much is showing this thing. Every one of them goes into that sort of, that that type of detail. Um and it makes me really enjoy. The, I mean, God, seriously, every time I'm going through this reading, I'm like, you know, I could probably build one of those. That would be fun to play. That would be cool. It's like, no, no, I don't. I don't need a scaven army right now. The last thing I need is a scaven army right now. No matter how cool putting this stuff together is. So yeah, I mean, it just depends. If you focus into one clan that isn't verminous or pestilence or your molder, you can do a fairly elite scaven army. It just looks weird. Yeah, that's true. When we talk about um, list building and that in the next episode, in the next half of the episode, um, it's a really weird, somewhat overly complicated book, but it has to represent what we've talked about, which is a weird, overly complicated uh, sense of ranking of political stuff like it has to encapsulate everything it's 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 running an entire society based on everybody who lives in it is basically a belligerent child yes and how do you how do you solve your problems that way and they the only way they can but and then there's constant scheming you know and then you get up to the the higher political levels and suddenly you're like in mean girls like it's just backstabbing and backbiting and plant and, and going behind everybody else's it's just terrible it's so much fun to read um but yeah so the question just, is on Wednesdays do they wear pink well, it's possible not the slaves yeah. they only own one set of clothes if they're lucky yeah they don't change hmm so I mean, yeah, that's just that's just my opinion. What do I know? But I think that's it. Like I said, now you hopefully you got a, a clue of, in general, where the Skaven are coming from and all the cool toys they have. Um, understanding at least some of the, not I'm not going to call it hard science fiction, but some of the you know some of the low or soft science fiction stuff about all these different weapons and how they put them together and the things that they're doing with them it's it's so much fun and it gives this army that was already sort of set aside in the way the size and the way it gets put together um this gives it some real at least for me as a story reader understanding how these things work and why it just it added to the to the quote-unquote realism of it but that's just me so Mm -hmm. all right should we wrap this up for now and then um we'll come back with uh with war in about a day or two? We should make it three. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, you know, I'm just going to release it in a day or two. So I like to keep it as close as possible. No, but we should 
Okay, no, hang on. Go, bear with me. I just want to walk through my process here. Our episode's due out on the 10th? Yep. Okay, you release it three days later. It's on... Oh, the 13th. And it's also Friday the 13th. Oh, my. Look at you thinking about all this stuff. All I'm thinking about is going to bed. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. No, that's good. I apologize. I'm going to backtrack that. Okay, so part of war is coming up. War is coming on the 13th. Yes, Friday the 13th. All right, uh, we're going to cut it here, and um, then uh, we will, like I said, we'll be back with the war part in just a few days. So you've got plenty of time to finish this. Of course, if you're at this point, you're already done. So enjoy, and we'll see you soon. You've been listening to Garage Hand. If you've enjoyed the show maybe consider leaving us a positive review on iTunes or check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash garagehammer. If you'd like to reach us, you can contact us via our email address, garagehammer at live.com. You can also find us on Twitter. David is at garagehammer and Alex, that's me, is at somekindageek30. Original music by Claire Seabrook. You can find more of her work at soundcloud.com slash Music. Finally, if you want to join the Garage Hammer community, as well as the AOS community worldwide, you can comment on our episodes in the show thread at the Grand Alliance Forums, that's tga.community, or check out the Garage Hammer Facebook page. And as always, thanks for listening.